thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be reasonable. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Welcome pilots, you're tuned to the guard frequency because as all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 273 of the Best Damn Space Sim Podcast Ever, recorded on Friday, August 30th, and made available for download on Tuesday, September 3rd, 2019, over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Henry. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. And this week's streaming services are brought to you by Henry Weber Tubes, right, Henry? That's right, Jeff. Remember, folks, Guard Frequency is not a one-way conversation. We welcome your comments over at GuardFrequency.com and Discord.GuardFrequency.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at GuardFreak. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so hit us up. Tell us what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to our shows at Feeds.GuardFrequency.com or by searching for us on iTunes. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights then you should come and join us at 10.30 p.m. Central as we record Guard Frequency Live over at twitch.tv forward slash guardfreak. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? You can always support the show by visiting our website, clicking on the Patreon logo, and becoming a regular subscriber. We want to thank all our Patreons who support us week on week. We hope you consider joining them because the more support we get, the better show we can make. Head on over to our website and click on the big Patreon logo to help out. And don't forget about our sister productions, Priority One and Heroes Rise. Priority One covers all things Star Trek, from the TV series to the MMO, the novels, the movies, and everything in between. Be sure to check them out at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. And the housekeeping is done, so let's get to the show. What do we got in store this week, Henry? In this week's Flight Deck, we bring you all the headlines from Simulated Space, including the latest news from Elite Dangerous, Infinity Battlescape, and Star Citizen. Finally, we open up the feedback loop and let you join in on the fun. Lace up your booties, campers. It's time to head out to the Flight Deck. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Here are the top news bits from the world of space sims. Frontier issued some follow-up factoids regarding carriers which answer some of our questions from last week with solid information. All of the other questions are answered with, we'll tell you when we're good and ready. Star Citizen sends Alpha 3.6.2 to Wave 2 on the PTU, and then Cloud Imperium does the same thing they've been doing since November 2014. You know that thing they do. And Infinity Battlescape is about two weeks away from their official launch to early access on Steam. Take that, Epic Game Store! <laughs> so, uh, before we get into the discussion part, I want to introduce a longtime uh, uh, friend and associate of the show, uh, Skiffy. Hello, Skiffy. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, you're always welcome. Yes, th- thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, longtime listeners will remember Skiffy is uh, one of our original audio editors, uh, still hanging out with us from time to time and over on the Priority One. Uh, podcast there. So uh, I've invited him here tonight for a specific purpose, which we will arrive at later. But uh, but uh, Skiffy, feel free to jump in on the conversation at any point if you feel like it, uh, even before we get to that very special 
very special moment uh, that <laughs> I'll, I'll announce to everybody. All right. So uh, first up, Infinity Battlescape. Uh, we've been covering that uh, from time to time. Looks really good. Last updates were visually quite stunning. Uh, they had kind of a trailer that gave maybe a little bit of a fantastical, uh, not quite representative uh, game experience. But now they say they are about two weeks away from going into an official early access mode on Steam, which means they're cutting off their Kickstarter. So uh, it it may be, uh, by the time you get this show on Tuesday, it may be too late to pledge for the uh, Kickstarter-type rewards that they are still selling at the Asteroid level, I believe, on their Kickstarter page. So, uh, But uh, this is the last weekend, they say, before they go that route for sort of an open play weekend. Uh, so if you uh, are listening to the live show or if you catch wind of this, uh, you log in before the second uh, to check out some of the uh, uh, improvements to the game. They have a long list of patch notes and other development goals on their Steam page. Uh, and there's two events this weekend on uh, Saturday and Sunday, which, of course, if you're getting the show on Tuesday, too late. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they've got uh, – they're – I think they've got another year to go left with adding in some features and some polish, but they're getting pretty close to pretty close to a release condition. I get the newsletters as well as uh, any backer does, but uh, it's looking. I'm really excited for it. I think it's uh, it's it's got a lot of the things that we have been looking for in our space sim uh, thing: seamless transitions, uh, space battles. Uh, you can attack ground targets. Uh, so uh, all that kind of stuff gets gets mixed in here. So looking forward to seeing how that shapes up in the weeks and months to come. So next up, we've got so we, we got some answers from Frontier on the carriers, and I don't know if you guys have that link there. If you follow that link and then go down a little ways to the spoiler button, you will see sort of the update to that. Um, I want to just look at a couple of things. I have been. Uh, worried pretty constantly about them converting ARCs into a sort of microtransaction gameplay thing. Uh, they have said straight up on a couple of these things. Uh, one, one question was, will fleet carriers be bought with ARCs? The answer to that is no. And will fleet, or will the fuel, and, and what uh, what's the, uh, the actual question was, uh, can you clarify what unique resources are the answer was it will be a new commodity which can be mined or bought from certain starports, and they'll be exploring this in more detail at a future live stream. So it seems that with the combination of those two answers, it seems very unlikely that ARCs is going to be used in, uh, in the carrier scheme at all. I don't know about that. What you just said kind of makes it sound to me like you'll be buying your uh, resources or mining them. It sounds like the kind of thing where they have an in-game way to get your currency or a way to spend real money to make it faster. Because you can go to a spaceport and buy it, and if what you have to buy it with is ARCs, that would be a thing that doesn't step on what they've said here, but also gives them a way to get a time-based currency. Well, I thought I was the cynical one, but no, I guess you're right. No, I, I disagree. I'm going to disagree here. All right. Uh, <clears throat> from what I was reading in the article, it sounds like that it's going to be mined or bought with re- with the money that you earn in game, not the arcs that you earn in game or or the arcs that you pay for, but the the dollars that you are. You, that's so that uh, that's so that currency still has some value, and you know, 
what makes me think that I that it gives me more hope, let's say, Henry took away some of my hope, but what gives me a little more hope is that they call it a commodity. And in Elite Dangerous, a commodity is a certain thing. It's something that can be had from the commodity traders, the big board at the station, right? It's your gold, it's your palladium, it's your uh, food pellets, whatever those things are, it's your uh, power converters, all those things you can actually buy and trade in bulk at the stations that bio take up waste. cargo space. Bio-waste, yes, Shiv's favorite, bio-waste. If the um, fuel was bio-waste, that would be amazing. That would be <laughs> super cool. Shiv in fiction, Shiv in yeah, yeah. See, I, I think the carrier should be uh, powered by bio waste. That would be like that would be like yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, Shiv would in in the role playing uh, version. Shiv would have cornered the market. I mean, he'd be like a tycoon at this point. Um, I, I'm totally with Jeff on this. I, I think the uproar from them introducing arcs and then immediately tying a gameplay restriction to to arcs. I I don't think they'd recover from that kind of negative press. Yeah. Well recover from negative press i mean it's it every other game is doing it uh and we'll get to some feedback that has well, some that's specific what, that's what pigs are for i mean right that's what pigs are for yeah i remember like uh, let's see yeah remember uh thunderdome oh from the from bad max yeah oh yeah i don't know master master blaster <laughs> Uh, so, but yeah, but I, uh, there, there would be, there would, you're right. There would be some repercussions. There'd be some, some, uh, some backlash on that, but they'd probably survive. I think on balance though, with their use of the word commodity, I think it's, I, I'm a little more comfortable with the fact that they're not going to introduce arcs into it, but Henry has a good point. It doesn't necessarily exclude the possibility uh, that they could charge arcs for it, I suppose. But well, they say, like many of the other answers in here, we'll give you something about the Dece- uh, sometime around the December update. Uh, can we customize our carriers? Well, sure, but we'll tell you more about it in the December update. Uh, how about uh, can I? Where can I buy these things? Well, you can buy them at Starports, but we'll talk about it in the December update. Uh, you know, uh, can you change the type of carrier you have? Well, the type of fleet carrier you have is determined by the support vessel assigned to it, which in turn determines the loadout, as mentioned above. We'll tell you about it closer to the December update. So uh, there's a lot of stuff they're either not ready to share or haven't locked down yet. Has anybody else gotten the feeling that uh, we all thought that uh, Paynite and Void Opal Mining was so lucrative and people have been amassing mega fortunes from this? Uh, Have we thought about the fact that that was uh, completely intentional in anticipation of these presumably very expensive personal carriers coming out. Gotta be. I think that's probably what it was. There was a lot of controversy uh, when the mining came out that, oh my god, the Void Opals are uh, way OP and they're going to nerf them any second now. But they, Frontier came out and said, nope, working as intended. So I think the idea is that once a player is far enough into the end game where they can set up and really use a large mining ship very efficiently and they've got the skills uh, down and they know how to uh, use the trading interface, that they can make 100 million credits an hour, 200 million credits an hour doing these mining things. They're like, cool, you can have a carrier pretty quick. They're like, you are into the end game and you've played this game enough that we're not going to put a significant time barrier in the way of you getting one of these carriers. Uh, Everybody else, suffer. Uh, But but you people, the ones that are at at the top end of this and have figured it out, Go ahead, you know, 
10 days after you start this mission, you know, to get a carrier, you can have one. We will have more as that comes, uh, but I think that they're just basically in the uh, patience, everyone. We're still working on it and getting it sorted out. That being said, let me ask you a quick question, Tony, before we move on from Elite. Is anyone else getting nervous because all we're seeing is stuff about carriers and stuff that's still incomplete and being worked on about carriers that all we're going to really get is a bunch of carriers that we should have gotten last year and the whole speculation about Elite feet? There would have been more visuals by now because we've only got three months before they've got to be wrapping this up. No, no, the, the Elite Feast stuff's not coming until 2020. That's the big update next year. Oh, I thought that was part yeah, of I'll, December. No, 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 no. I have the no, timeline no, no. funky then. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, they do. They did announce that the September update, which is going to introduce ARCs and the new first-person uh, first tutorial. Uh, not first, I guess first-person is a bad way to do it. The new... The new player new player yeah, tutorial new player, yeah. is is coming september 18th so we have a hard date on that um but there's nothing there's nothing terribly exciting about that just we now know the date but yeah 2020 is the uh and i think what i've seen is holiday 2020 christmas 2020 is when we're going to get the expansion uh and then uh but the this december uh, update is just going to include the carriers they're they're gonna ship carriers. Then they're gonna walk away and go on Christmas break for two weeks. And we're gonna be, we're gonna have broken stuff that we're gonna be whining about. No, for two weeks. they wouldn't put they wouldn't no. release broken <laughs> ships in Elite and then go on vacation and be like, I don't know, the universe is falling apart. <laughs> Literally, their universe would be falling apart. That that doesn't happen over there. I I, I suspect they will uh, plan appropriately and release the carriers in early December. Hmm. And then have a week or two to do a dot dot patch as they are want to do. Unless they rework uh, their roadmap, as people are known to do. Well, that, 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 you're getting ahead of us. You're getting ahead of us here, Henry. You're getting ahead of us. Just it was an attempt hold... at a segue, but I guess I'll just go screw myself. It's, that's you know what you know what you know what. Let's do that. Let's use that attempt as a segue and turn it into an actual segue. You know what? I had planned so to make that a segue. Let's just wipe that clean and get a new plan and like figure out how we're going to do the segue <laughs> instead of following the roadmap that we previously laid out for segueing. Are you saying you want to push your segue to uh, let's say the fourth segment? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we yes, yeah. the fourth we did segment. Know, I know yeah. we told okay. everybody it was coming out in the second segment. But <laughs> okay, we've got to do some okay, refactoring. Okay, Henry, you're 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 fle- you're flooding this. Yeah, okay. yeah. You you you're the, this, the there's a horse over there. It's I've dead, beaten and it. now you're dismembering <laughs> oh. it. You're be- you've beaten it to death, and now you're dismembering okay. it. So, and that brings us to the, my my reason for inviting our our old and dear friend Skiffy to the show. Uh, as you may have heard from the top of the introductions, we don't have Brian with us here tonight. But tonight's Star Citizen discussion, I believed, required the live input of someone who is in tune with Kin Shadow's point of view with regard to Star Citizen. So, Skiffy, do you feel like you could like handle that tug, that reverse pull? I have 890 reasons to jump for joy this week. Okay, okay. That's That was a completely unsubtle response, but I think we got what we needed out of that. So good, <laughs> so good. So so I'm going to rely on Skiffy to sort of be that, that traditional counterweight to my... Uh, how did he put that? How did it... How did, I'm gonna, I got to bring up Discord. We... We Shiv pinned this message on the Discord uh, because uh, it was just it was just so so perfect. He said, um, "As a counterweight to my half-baked conspiracy theories that exist only in the Tonyverse." So I'm ex- <laughs> I need I need Skiffy to be the counterweight to that uh, tonight. Uh, so uh, if we can if we can count on you for that. I'd appreciate it. 
So nothing really much happened today, I guess. There was like a couple of videos or something. I don't know. Pillar talk thing? What? Pillar talk, yeah. It was a pillar talk. It was highly anticipated. And uh, kind of landed with a bit of a thud. A little bit. Did anybody watch that? I did watch it. You watched that? Skiffy, I what? thought it was brilliant. Well, why don't you go ahead and start us off then? Well, Skiffy, I wouldn't tell- say it was brilliant, but I will say it was informative to a point. To a point. Skiffy, Skiffy what did, tell, tell us about Pillar Talk today. What happened? Well, first of all, I want to lead with, uh, as as I looked the stats up a couple of hours ago, this is now the, this holds the record now for the most disliked video in the Star Citizen account on YouTube at uh, a 46% like ratio. What? What? Um, but it's brilliant. Essentially, yeah, brilliant. Uh, essentially, what I got from the video, and I, I did only watch it once because uh, uh, I was too busy chatting with you guys about <laughs> what they were talking about, but uh, essentially what I've gotten from this is that uh, they did an entire episode of Pillar Talk to discuss how they're re-evaluating and reassigning their teams uh, instead of having a single team that is working on or having everybody work on a single update, then shipping that update uh, to uh, the Persistent Universe where we all get to play it, they're going to split everybody into two teams and have them work simultaneously on two updates. So they'll have half the people working on each update, but they'll work on each update twice as long and they will stagger this. Ah, ah yes, there's, a, there's a key word there, a, a marketing marketing word there. What was that called? What was that called again? Staggered Stagger. development. Staggered. They, they had a title card and everything. They, they faded out to black and said staggered development. <laughs> and then they faded that out to black. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, ooh, and then ah, and then yes, yes. Staggered development. It's the new thing. It's the new thing they were going to do. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, to a to, to the patrons who who listen to the uh, show the the live raw recording and to those of us who those of you who who listen to us live on Friday nights you would have caught last week a discussion that we cut for time uh, and that discussion was uh, I, I was cued into it uh, by trolling the not trolling trawling I think is a better word trawling the controversial tab of the Star Citizen subreddit and noticing that there are a lot of concerned people, concerned in the traditional brackets, um, uh, that the pace of development had slowed down, at least according to what was being released on the roadmap. And I, in my slightly overzealous lawyer nature, uh, went through and pulled the last five updates for uh, both Star Citizen and Squadron 42, and I pasted the links to those updates in our show notes. So, gentlemen, you're free to peruse them at your leisure. But I'll summarize for uh, you for them uh, real quickly. Basically, both Star Citizen and uh, Squadron 42 had advanced about a percent, between a percent and three percent uh, overall uh, for the Q3 deliverables. The the Q the, the third quarter patch being 3.7 in Star Citizen and the Q3 timeline in uh, squadron 42 uh so six weeks or you know well i got five five weeks of progress since the release of 3.6 and only a couple of percentage uh, advancements on knocking out the, uh, the the goals uh that had some people worried and so this week's pillar talk when it was announced was highly anticipated uh to either explain why that was or to announce that 
here's the things that are happening uh, so that we'll, we're going to be catching up to that. Instead, what we got was staggered development, 10 minutes of explaining that they're not happy with how things are going and so they're going to change how they're doing it. And then uh, in again. a... Yeah, again, again. And then in a forum post on the Star Citizen website on the Spectrum, they had a uh, frequently asked questions, which you guys have there in the show notes there, if you click on that. And down at the bottom, way down at the bottom, third paragraph from the, from the, from the end, we get a question here. What does this mean for Squadron 42? And it's so good. I'm going to just go ahead and read it. And I quote, <clears throat> You will, of course, notice that our target beta date for Squadron 42 has moved back by 12 weeks in today's roadmap update. But this is a necessary step as a result of changing the overall development cadence, which we expect will create positive results in the overall delivery and experience of Squadron 42. End quote. Well, I mean, the math works out, right? If they're going to have two, if they're going to split their teams in half right now, mm-hmm. assuming they haven't done it weeks ago, if they're going to split mm-hmm. their team in half, we're going to have a team, a half team that's working on a release that's coming up immediately, which mm-hmm. I assume would be 3.7. Mm-hmm. Then we've got the opposite team, the B team, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, that's working on 3.8, and they get their full, long development, you know, half year development cycle. So we'll have a short. 3.7 update that probably contains about, you know, quote-unquote, half as much. Uh, oh. But that would also set everything back just a few weeks while they get into their pattern. I, I suppose that makes a certain amount of sense. Except that I don't believe it. <laughs> but and, and, and yes, Skippy's laughing, and that's 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 right. I mean, that, that's how it should be. But the problem I have here is that the they say that the twelve week delay is a result of changing the development team, right? They were already more or less, in my view, six weeks behind. You know, not maybe not quite six weeks behind, but already behind with the sort of deliverable deliverables that they were looking for for three point seven. They were already in a hole, uh, and so the the twelve week delay. And, and let's be clear on the twelve week delay on this. That's been baked in from the beginning. That's our traditional guard frequency, Chris Roberts estimate plus 90. That's that's We've been doing that since 2014 around here. So I'm not the 12-week delay, no, it's, it's par for the course with these guys. It's no, it's no big deal. But I am a little bit concerned that it's the other way around. They ran into blockers. They ran into problems. They ran into stuff that's not going to be resolved in time. And as a result, they're changing their development cycle, not as it's presented here. We're changing our development cycle, and therefore it's going to result in a delay. You could be hitting on something uh, dead on there, Tony, and that uh, one of the things that I keep uh, noticing is brought up everywhere is the big elephant in the room is server-side object container streaming, SSOCS. Yeah. And uh, my understanding of SSOCS uh, is that it's necessary for Squadron 42. It's absolutely necessary for further uh, iterations of the persistent universe, as a lot of the performance issues and server crashing we've been seeing is supposed to be alleviated by the implementation of this technology. And uh, I believe it was stated um, at the Nautilus uh, concierge event, SSOCS has been delayed from quarter four of this year to quarter one of 2020, which right, would came, account for a three-month delay. Well, and that's that came out from 
the the dinner in Germany. Is that correct? Yeah, there's yeah. concierge event. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's where they announced the uh, the mine leadership. From I'm not sure that you'll find that information in an official source, but I no. I remember hearing that in uh, one of Board Gamer's uh, YouTube videos, and he tends to have reliable sources on these. Yeah, kind of things. And, and I did see that in a, uh, a couple of different places on the intertubes. You know, again, it just repetition does not necessarily mean veracity, but like like Skippy said, I think we've seen enough sort of reliable reporting that it seems to make sense. But the overall silence about stuff that's not on the roadmaps, things like SSOCS, things like the server meshing, uh, you know, the stuff that we were told at last CitizenCon were the building blocks, the pillars, I believe they were called, of the MVP, the minimum viable product. These are things we need to have before Star Citizen for sure, and like Skiffy was saying, probably Squadron 42 as well, because they share a common code base. we got to have these things before we can have a playable game. They even reiterated that in Pillar Talk today. Uh, Aaron mentioned that uh, everything in the Persistent Universe is part of Squadron 42 and vice versa. Yeah. So, I mean, it that and that's the stuff that they're radio silent on. So, um, and, that, and that, I think, also is cause for concern. So, I, I think that they've got at least, I think that's a little backwards. I think that there are blockers and technical issues on the back end that we're not getting information on that pushed a lot of this stuff back because they're waiting to get server-side OCS and uh, whatever other back-end things need to have done done before they can do things like AI and other gameplay loops and stuff like that because they need to know how that all is going to work over the network before they can actually develop the system itself, you know, whatever system that might be. I do find it fascinating that they saved this pillar talk and these announcements for a week after they had a concierge event where they were in direct contact with some of their highest paying uh, clients. If they'd have done this the other way around, uh, there would have been a lot of questions that would have been asked at that concierge event. So their pacing on how they released this information and held these events is kind of uh, yeah, and, interesting. And wouldn't, I mean, that, that's a good point. And wouldn't they have had a much more receptive audience there, though? I mean, there would have been questions, but there would have, would have there been, you know, anger? I don't think I, so. I, 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 I don't you know. know. I'm, I'm a chairman's club member, and I get angry at some of this stuff. You know, they should have seen the writing on the wall uh, months ago yeah. about this. The back-ended stuff is not, it's a technical problem, not not one that's... Um, that Schedulable. Can, uh, right. Yeah, it's, it's not like, I know, we know it takes, you know, six weeks to design a ship. It's not, you can't right. break it down like that. Yeah, it's, there's no new code that they have to write. There's This is, yeah. a, this is a technical issue. And so, right. you know, they... they They've known it was coming up. I, I this is what I guess I get angry about. Well, not angry, but frustrated with them about on on this development cycle uh, and this and this roadmap that really isn't a roadmap because it's meaningless because it changes every six months. I mean, you, you don't have a roadmap that changes. I mean, my whole world is tech, um, servers and and networks. I mean that that. that you know, we we face these challenges every day, and we know that uh, we we we're, we plan like we're doing a mega upgrade on our backhaul right now to forty gigabit. You know, well, you just don't go out and do it. You plan for those things to happen. 
and you're just and you're and you're deploying something, right? You're right. taking you're we're, taking we're, commercial we're, equipment off the shelf off the shelf more or less and plugging it into your system, right? And that how, and what's the lead time on that project, Jeff? Uh, we're two years. Two years, and that's just deploying commercially available hardware and software into your particular environment into, yep. into your particular necessary needs. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't even talk. <laughs> I gotta say, here's here's what I have to remind myself from time to time. Uh, we have backed a project that is so ambitious. They are doing things that have never been done before. We've already seen evidence of that in the PU. I've never seen anything like Arc Corp in any other game before uh, that wasn't scripted, you know, that was completely open world, that you could go out into the world and, and fly around an entire planet. And we can argue about the scale of the planet, whether it's right or wrong, but um, essentially that tech is, is incredible. Server-side object container streaming, has that been done before? I truly have no idea. Yes. Uh, a lot of games do something similar. I haven't really delved into the technical aspects of this. I've tried. I just not a lot of information available. Um, but it's not a new concept. It's just one that's um, ambitious. Yeah. I think the scale. I mean, the scale is what is what is the problem here. Is that you know we we're discussing Discord. According to some information, the the devs are playing the game without server-side OCS as, as Desert is doing the development, but they need uh, Xenon processors and 128 gigs of RAM in order Quad to make... Xeon. <laughs> four Xeon processors. Four, I would say four Xeon processors. Which is, which in, in my world is tiny. Right, but I don't, I have one processor in my computer. I don't have four processors. And I don't, I don't have tw- 128 gigs of RAM. Yeah, but uh, like my virtual servers uh, at work they're, they're uh, eight processors at, at eight cores, and I've got um, 298 gigs of RAM, and, and I can go up. I can go to 512 on, on those servers. Yes, so, perfect. CIG, you need to call Jeff. He'll get you everything you need. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And he'll get one for each of your customers who otherwise can't play the game unless they have that. For a nominal backer fee. Yeah. I'm not surprised that they don't they don't have a development bed in house and a server rack, but all of this should be up on Azure or a- AWS or where they can Google scale Stadium. this. Yeah, they can they can <laughs> scale that stuff right up to. I mean, the the resources they have. It's AWS because they were using Lumberyard, so it's it's AWS. We know that, but but the 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 point is, I think that this is a huge ambitious problem and they have a hard deadline their hard deadline was set by whatever deal that they struck with the private equity guys when they brought in their 46 million dollars in may 2018 and private equity guys don't wait around for however long to get their money back they don't they're not like your backers going we just want a good game at the end of the day no they want their money back and a good rate of return now, what the good rate of return is, I don't know. I don't have access to the contract. Yeah, they have performance markers they have to hit. I mean, oh, that's, yeah, they yeah, have to. The, the investor, investors are not, uh, they don't care. They just, want their, they just want their money. The other thing I need to remind myself is that a lot of the work, whether this is right or wrong, a lot of the work on Squadron 42 is completely uh, invisible to us. It's happening behind closed doors for the surprise effect. Other than their updates uh, in the forms of posts and the charts that citizens make, uh, we really don't know how 
good or bad those progressions are going. But wasn't it two years ago or a year and a half ago in December of uh, 2017 that we saw what looked like a ready-to-ship mission where uh, you, you fly out into the asteroid field and do a patrol mission and they, they walked around in the Idris? That was 2017, right? Yeah, that was a while ago. And that looked complete and they said that showed a lot of complete things. There was also talk that the Squadron 42 missions were nearly complete at that point. That was a year and a half ago. We're coming up on two years ago. I have to think they are much further along. And uh, when they drop all this on us as a completed product, we're all going to have our mouths open going, wow. That's a great theory, but there nothing is past Greybox yet, according to their charts. According to their own charts, their own roadmap, roadmap that they put out once a week, Nothing is past gray box in a squadron. I find that hard to believe based on what they showed us two years, a year and a half ago. I would, I would believe it. I mean, I think if they were farther ahead, they'd say, "Look, we're almost done in a lot of this stuff." The stage three gray box is the farthest that any of them are are have gotten. You can't really take what they've shown us to say how far they are along in missions and things. Anyway, I mean, I remember when they showed us the sandworm; things looked really far along there, and that's an asset that, that was completely made up. That's what I'm saying. So, like these things that they're showing us with these. Uh, uh, that scene and that mission, who knows yeah. what the reality of that was at the time, you know? Yeah. This gives rise to my, my pet conspiracy theory that uh, Ken Shadow was dragging me about in the in the chat. And it goes a little something like this. They've had very little progress over the last six weeks. They made a deal in May 2018 that's got a timer on it of some kind. I, my suspicion is the timer is about three years. My this admittedly tangential uh, uh, experience in the oil and gas field is that if you're looking for a short-term investment, your time horizon is three years, maybe five, if you've got somebody with some patience. But three years is about like you know, okay, let's it's time to start for the re- it's time for the returns to come back. That's the length of a typical oil and gas lease, and you'd expect the developer to have the development plan done and executed by the end of the term, that primary term of the oil and gas lease, typically three to five years, three years being the short end. Anyway, three years would be May 2021, which means that they have to have the game out and sold and polished and done and, and, and exploited probably holiday 2020, Christmas 2020. If they don't have all this stuff done and fixed and awesome and everybody loving it by holiday 2020, they're kind of hosed. And whatever milestones that they have in the equity deal are going to start kicking in. And typically what that's going to be is either a significant reduction on the back end, the royalty and uh, earning power of the sale of Squadron 42 and its derivative products will no longer be going to CIG. It'll be going to these equity investors. They'll take a big chunk off of that back end and transfer it to them. Or straight out equity ownership it will increase. Right now they own 10% of the company. You miss some milestones, we start getting another seats, uh, more seats on the board and more ownership of your company. A bigger say in how you guys run the place because you're not giving us our money back on time with the gravy we expected on top. That's typically how this goes. And they've eaten up their 90-day freebie that we here at Guard Frequency just always give them because we just know that. But they can't really go much more than that without seriously jeopardizing their ability to make money off of here's my theory, my conspiracy theory console sales for squadron 42 ooh interesting so that's that's my that's my conspiracy theory here that Ken Shadow has uh, has, has accused me of 
I I assume when you say console sales, you would mean next gen consoles, not current gen. I've that's what I thought in the discord earlier, but I'm going to revise my argument here just a little bit. Because according to industry rumor and whatnot, we expect the PS5 and the next generation Xbox to be out Christmas time 2020. That's sort of what everyone's anticipating. Announcements at E3 and console shipping around Christmas time 2020. Yeah, and that's pretty much confirmed by some of the games like uh, Halo uh, Halo Infinite is supposed to be a next gen title, and it's got a launch date of 2020. You know, holiday yeah, I, 2020. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of good circumstantial evidence that that makes most people confident that that's what's going to happen. No official announcements yet, but confident. So clearly, a game like Squadron 42, which was you know supposed to be high fidelity, it's got these AAA actors in it. I mean, that would be the sort of title that you would like to attach to the publicity around next-gen console launches. So the timing there works really well. But I think that you're not going to have necessarily a wide installed user base of those next-gen consoles right away. I mean, that's there's a much larger install base of current PS4 and Xbox One owners right now. And I'd have to say that, that if that's the case... And 2020 is the target date, and console sales and next-gen release. Um, there's a lot of times that a lot of these games do get backwards compatibility to earlier consoles. I can't see it in this case with it being as demanding as it is. I tried to get Star Citizen hardware in 2015, and my laptop no longer is running. I have a new one. So t- trying to say it's for current consoles, I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't see it. I think it's going to be something that they put out to push the new console sales, maybe even with like a Star Citizen themed Xbox console, that kind of stuff, special editions. I could see that happening. It'd be the kind of thing they do is go for the high end right off. Going for the installed base, they don't care about the low end machines. They don't care about the low end PCs right now. They're not going to worry about that. The consoles, uh, again, these would this would all be based on rumors and, and speculation. No, not even rumors. Little- this is just me making shit up. Well, no, 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 sorry. What, what I'm about to say would oh, be based on rumors okay. and speculation and the little nuggets of information that have been dropped by uh, Phil Spencer of Xbox and uh, oh, okay. uh, you know Sony reps. But the hardware coming in the next-gen consoles is supposed to be pretty decent. Uh, they're looking at 8-core processors, 16 threads, uh, 3.2 gigahertz speeds, uh, and uh, graphics cards that are Navi uh, based on Zen 2 architecture. We're, we're looking at specs in these consoles that are probably pretty similar or maybe even a little better than what I think a majority of the Star Citizen players are playing on today. Granted, this is a year from now where the technology that we yeah. you know that's available would be better, but still. Yeah, I mean, the, the target I read was 4, 4K at 60 frames per second is like the minimum benchmark. That's what, I mean, that's that's like, that, that it's got to be at least that uh, yeah, for those yeah, consoles. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's I, I think that there's a lot of, I'm going to use this word and you can just, I'll just wash my mouth out with soap later. There's a lot of synergy here for targeting and marketing Star Citizen or uh, Squadron 42 as a next gen console day one type release, right? Uh, it matches up with their obligations that I suspect they have under their uh, private equity agreement. It matches up with the release of the technology. It matches up with the roadmap we got last year. Even with the delays, I think you can. There's still a good chance that they could make that if they have if they go into beta uh, at the end of September 2020. That's three months of polish and bug squashing that you might be able to, you know, hit that title. You might be able to do it. Um, 
but it's uh, especially with the tradition of day one patching and all major releases lately. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot there. However, I also it's going to go one of two ways, I think. Number one, they either have to go for the wide net and reduce the baseline game to something that'll run on current gen consoles, right? They either got to go wide and make sure that they catch every possible customer who doesn't already have the game ready for to go on PC, right? They got to they got to get all those customers or they got to go narrow and make it an exclusive release to one of those consoles. But is it that hard to scale back a game to make it compliant with older hardware? I mean, don't you um, just basically crank down the graphics settings? Well, lot? remember that you can't run the game now without four Xeon processors and 128 gigs of RAM. So, and they haven't conquered us. They haven't conquered server side OCS yet. Yeah, in this case, it's not all about graphics processing running on an engine that does what all engines do, so it's going to do it properly. They're building so much new tech. It's going to be really, really, really hardware intensive, not just for graphics. I mean, that's what he's talking about with this object, uh, server-side object streaming, or object constrainer streaming. Um, they're inventing new stuff to make it work, you know? Right. Well, my point being, there, there are probably a whole lot of modifications we're not thinking about that go beyond what a, a, your regular game engine is doing. That's why it takes so long to build it. Right. So, But the understanding that I have from discussions with Ken Shadow and what I've read is that there will be a virtual server even on your single-player game that is swapping stuff in and out to deliver it to the, quote, client that's running and actually rendering stuff. And that'll happen when you're playing online as well? That's just always? That's my understanding, but that's I'm not weird. a computer guy. I'm happy to be corrected on this. But I think that server-side OCS is a problem even in Squadron 42 because without it, there's still the maps and the environments are still too large and contain too much fidelity that you can't load it all in. When you load Shubin Mining Station in and all the foot lockers and ships with their upgraded weapons and, you know, uh, uh, the dirty dishes in the sink, uh, all that stuff will come loaded in. And unless you have server side object container streaming to sort of say, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that. That's my understanding of how that's supposed to work, but I don't know. Should I ask the dangerous question of do we know for sure that Squadron 42 is going to be an offline capable game? That is a fantastic question. Because as we know, that was a huge problem during Elite's release uh -huh. when they said you can have single player, but you got to be online to play it. That it, rubbed a lot of people It's very normal in today's climate of gaming. Yeah. I think it kills the longevity of it. I mean, once that game closes, that game's going to close. Without somebody else putting up the server-side part, we'll never be able to play Elite even in single-player, which is hard. I mean, I still play old games. I don't want to have to be like, oh, I can never play Super Mario Brothers again because the server is never going to be online. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, again, that's another one of those. They've they've raised a lot more questions than I think they answered today, and I don't. And I'm that's never well. It's a good thing for us on the show because then we can argue about it a lot, which which is fun. But I mean, it's not it's not a good look for the project. And and there were some questions and some discussion um, uh, about the about it being a, an own goal or not. How they handled it today, and I don't know. Lennon uh, came into the chat and said it's like a everyone's watching, waiting for the ball to cross over the line on the own goal, and we're still waiting on the instant replay to see if it actually went over the line or not. That's not his exact words. I'm paraphrasing, but that's that's kind of the concept. It's an almost own goal. We're not quite. The jury's still out on whether or not it actually was or not. Is that uh, a sports metaphor? It was. It was a sports ball metaphor. It was. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was a football. It was a soccer metaphor, uh, even. So, 
Uh, I wanted to read Ken Shadow's uh, uh, conclusion here because you know he's he's not here. Skiffy, you did an admirable admirable job. Thank you for you know trying to keep me honest a little bit. But Ken Shadow's own words were, "My translation of the uh, Pillar Talk Show: Teams working on features will no longer work for the next quarter release cycle. They'll work on features and the release that happens after they are done when the feature will ship." It will result in more features having schedules closer to six months with multiple teams effectively rotating who ships the patch schedule. Honestly, I thought that's already how it was. I guess they've been driving the sprints with the releases too hard. We know not all features were developed in the past like that, so maybe this is specific features. If I had to guess, I'd say some recently poorly received features like hover mode are the driving force behind internal issues they mentioned. The impact, I guess we'll see features associated with farther releases move more and we may see features more proactively pushed out. And he says, I didn't see or hear anything that hinted this was about console port ports at all. Wait, so that's wait, where he, wait. What's wrong with hover mode? <laughs> Let's not go back to that. We're, not gonna, we're, we're, we're opening up fresh controversies here, Skiffy. We're not going back over old ones. Those are just. I find it very entertaining to go into a hangar and see a ship glued to the side of the hangar at full <laughs> engine power. Well, I, all this aside, I'm, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what's what's going to be a citizen con then in a couple months after all this. Uh, there's going to be a lot of angst. I don't see how they avoid coming right out and saying, "Hey, guys, guess what? We're, we're we've been we're, we've been heads down porting this to PlayStation and Xbox. Uh, we've had to refactor." all the Squadron 42 missions, that's why we went backwards on the development and had to go back in and redo them. We had to shrink down the maps and we're going to have transitions in it because we're dealing with the limitations of current-gen consoles uh, to get the missions playable. Oh, and by the way, all the a lot of the gameplay loops we thought we were going to introduce to you in the Squadron 42 missions, those are all yanked out now. We've had to go back through and redesign the missions because you're not going to be mining much, you're not going to be salvaging much, uh, the medic stuff has been taken out, so you can't really heal your teammates. Uh, you know, it's have to scale back a lot of that stuff to make it work and to hit the deadline, which is, you know, in game development terms, right around the corner. Well, so this is par for the course for MMOs, though. Yeah. There's a oh, ton yeah. of MMOs that ship with, with incomplete, missing features. And in my experience, it takes two years for them yeah. to push updates to get it to the point where they should have been when they launched. But not single-player games. This one would well, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the point. Is the Squadron 42 is supposed to show off like how this new game was going to all be and they're either and, and again, I think I see two two possible futures here. One is the one I just outlined where they dumbed down Squadron 42 to make it fit with current gen technology to cast that wide net so they can have as much console sales as possible to repay their investors their $46 million, plus a reasonable rate of return, which I don't think would be less than 50%, and probably is more like 100%. So they're looking for a payoff in the high double digits, million dollars is what these investors are. That's not even counting what CIG is supposed to earn to keep the lights on. So they're looking to make a wad of cash off Squadron 42 right away. And they got, and the only way to do that is console sales. So strategy one, wide net, which means dumbing down Squadron 42 to cast it as wide as possible. Strategy two, make it exclusive to one of the consoles. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
someone tell me how they're supposed to come up with 60 to 90 million dollars for their investors between holiday 2020 and mid 2021 which would put it three years past the ink drawing on the contracts in may 2018 someone tell me That's how to easy. make 60 sell a bengal no they'll sell jpegs <laughs> Yeah. What'll happen yeah. is they'll have another dinner where they'll announce more stuff you can buy, and they'll they'll try to milk more people. I don't know if it'll happen because yeah. they've already gone to the well with the investors. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see such an adjustment in the roadmap and and dates changing because of the theories you presented when they got the investors. It seemed like that was going to happen, but they're at that mark where you said they could slip this far. I just think they slipped a lot earlier than I was expecting. So I think it's going to slip further than that, honestly. I want to talk about the the progress, like how we feel like development has slowed, because I I've noticed this as well. And a couple of days ago, I went into the the uh, crowdfunding spreadsheet that somebody had put together that pulls oh, the website. Right. Yeah. Now, now this obviously works on the assumption that the website is providing accurate data every hour. So we're going to work on the assumption that it is. I'll, for uh, the purposes of this discussion, let's accept that. I went and compared where we are on track uh, for the money they've made based on website data up to this point in 2019 versus up to this point in 2018. And I was kind of surprised to learn that we're pretty much on track. Um, I thought last year would have been a much more profitable year for them up to this point. And it was at 18 and some change, 18 million uh, in 2018, and we're at 17 and some change in 2019. So that kind of surprised me. So their their regular daily income seems to have not decreased, at least not yet. Yeah, but that was I, before all of this, all of this pillar talk. Well, I mean, and again, I, I told you for the purposes of the discussion that we would accept the fact that those website numbers are accurate. Sure. Which also surprises me. So we'll just leave it there because I've never believed it, or <laughs> I haven't believed it for a long time. I'm sorry, Brian, you're not here. <laughs> but it's one of the hallmarks of every scam ever is that you smooth out the earnings so that it looks like you're just making constant money over time. Was it in the Discord chat or something? I heard Ponzi scheme. Oh, well, no, we'll get to that here in a second because there'll, there'll, be there'll be a discussion during the feedback loop. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, – today, today, I mean, even if it doesn't rise to an own goal level, and I think that the question is out, right? I mean, I think the, the jury's out on it. This was not a brilliant day for for CIG as far as as far as the news they had to give. And announcing a delay is never good, right? Here at this show, at least, I think, like I said, we bake that ninety day slippage in no matter what. I mean, we just that's just that's just how it works around here, and it always has been. But I think that the focus now is that they've got investors that are going to expect to make their money back within a reasonable time frame. That time frame begins at May twenty eighteen and ends sometime in three to five years after that. The three-year deadline TikTok is May 2021. If they release Squadron 42 Holiday 2020, that lines up nicely. Maybe they've got it in there that they can push it to Holiday 2021. That's fine. That's a four-year time frame. But as any banker or investor will tell you, the longer you push out that time frame, the more money you expect to make. Either that's cash up front or cash off the back end or equity in the company. That's those are your three choices. Those are your three sources. And I and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you don't hit those milestones, they will come get you. They, they will. will. And they're going to and the, the return they're going to expect for that for that loan and having that cash parked at CIG for 3 to 4 to 5 years is large. They're not going to settle for a 10% return on investment. 
That's not. That's that's it. That's a that's uh, it's maybe a little better than public utilities, but they're taking a lot bigger risk than hooking up into you know your local electric grid, uh, investing in you know transformers and, and power lines. I mean, they're going to expect at fifty to hundred percent is what I would would think that they're looking to make off this, and I don't see any other way for them to make sixty to ninety million bucks between holiday twenty twenty and mid twenty twenty one other than console sales. And they either got to cast the wide net, which means Dumb and Squadron 42 down, or they got to go exclusive on PS5 or Xbox and get that exclusivity money. Do you think they could pay the investors with JPEGs of console sales? It's worked so far. Oh, it's, a, it's a bold new experiment. It's a bold new front, and uh, make I look it, forward to it. Make them animated. Give them gifts. That's right. <laughs> gifts. Gifts. It even sounds nice. It's a gift of a gift. Animated gifts. I like it. Yeah. There's one other elephant in the room with Pillar Talk and Where? with Where? last week's episode of, uh, oh, the, the Inside Star Citizen that covered the yeah. covered QA. Uh, mm-hmm. The quality and the quantity of subscriber-paid video content oh, yeah. has decreased dramatically. Oh, yeah. And it seems to be getting progressively worse. Uh, uh, we talked earlier about this being a trend, and you said, "Well, two is not a trend; it takes three to be a trend." So we'll wait. <laughs> we'll hold out. We'll hold out till next week to see sure. what happens. What they give us next uh, week. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 is this because the investors have come in and and now they feel the need to communicate less with us investors because they've got higher up investors, you know, $46 million investors that they're trying to mask data. I mean, I, I can't quite figure out what's going on. I feel like if they had been, if we were getting more video content and they were more upfront like they used to be with some of their delays and some of their hiccups, we would all be more understanding of what's happened today. Everything you just said probably could have been summed up with hashtag Tony was right months ago when the investors <laughs> came in and he said, so guess what's going to happen? Now they have these big investors to answer to. They don't care what we have to say because they got somebody that is like looking for a return. We're looking for a great game. They're looking for a return on investment. They're important now. It's exactly what Tony predicted. I, I have my kin shadow hat off at this point because okay. <laughs> what, what, I, what I've done in the last uh, two months ago is I stopped subscribing. I've been a subscriber for four years. I stopped subscribing because I wasn't happy with the content. Uh, I don't know if that'll make it better or worse, but it's a vote with your wallet kind of situation. Well, so I I, keep I, to that. I'm still a subscriber. So, you know, I'm. I'm still back in the game. I'm still I'm I'm still believing that the uh, the outcome is going to be the outcome. But you know, 2020 is a new year, and um, you know I can't subscribe forever without without seeing some results. And I think a lot of subscribers are going to feel the same way, especially after today's pillar pillar talk. Yeah, and and again, we're going to get letters, and Ken Shuttle come back next week and be mad at me, and that's and that's just that's that's good. That's a good thing though, because we want to talk about this. And remember, everybody out there in, in listener land, nobody here wants this to fail, right? I mean, we all want the game to come out. I'm oh, yeah, just, I've in, I've invested a lot of money in this game, and I I still personally, again, Ken Shadow hats off. I personally think this is going to come out. Uh, there's enough out there that you can play now that I, I think it's beyond the point of me doubting it's ever going to be released. It's just a matter of where that finish line is. Answer the call 2016. The deadline is 2020 holiday. The deadline is 2020 Christmas. There's That has got to be baked into just about every discussion we have here. If it gets pushed, that is going to literally cost Chris Roberts pain. I mean, just, just I mean, he's either going to lose part of the company or they're going to lose the back end sales and it will it will hurt and it will 
I think, possibly cripple Star Citizen. If the if Squadron 42 does not come out in, in holiday 2020, I think that cripples Star Citizen because the penalty that they will be paying for not hitting that milestone will be steep. You told so, us that months ago also. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm just reminding everybody, and because we've said a lot of negative things about Star Citizen and Chris Roberts, I mean, we're saying these things because this is a painful truth that I think that we all need to just be prepared for and look and 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 to face. I'm still rooting for them because I want the game to come out, but there are harder choices to be made here, and I think everybody ought to understand that if you want to play, if you want to play Star Citizen at Christmas 2020 when it comes out, you're buying it on PlayStation or Xbox. This is great. I'm getting an Xbox anyway. I, yeah. I I don't I don't think that I don't think that's true. I, it's I, true. <clears throat> I don't I think it'll come out for I think it'll come out for consoles, but I think it's going to hit PC uh, first. Nope. I think if anything they'll launch simultaneously because the nope. the console and PC are basically identical hardware at this point. That's the there, there's no reason for them it. to launch one without the other. Tony the other is suggesting is. that it's a financial reason rather than a you know a technical reason. It, the exclusivity is worth money. Oh, I see what you're saying. There is a financial reason for it. You've got a hell of a lot of backers. Who have already tapped themselves dry. And yep. they'll get it on PC after PlayStation comes out for an exclusive for a year. Maybe not a year, a couple months. A quarter. Yeah, it, won't be a, it won't be a, a quarter, year, I don't think. It'll be a quarter. a quarter. It'll be a quarter or something like that. But they have to capture those console sales without everybody who's been a backer for five, six, seven years coming on and going, this isn't what I hoped for. This no, wasn't what I expected. I, I, Here's I all think the you're plugs. wrong. Here's all the problems. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to state it categorically. I okay. think you're wrong. Okay. I do want to say there, there are exclusives that are not a quarter either. There was a game that was released earlier this year. Wait, was it last year? There was a game that was released, high-profile game, that had a 24-hour exclusive on PlayStation. Huh. I can't remember what it was. Was it Destiny Two? Might have been Destiny. That could, 2. Yeah, that could be. I mean, maybe it will be that short, but I kind of doubt it. I mean, it'll be. It may not be a quarter. But it may be a month. It may be a couple of weeks. But they have to capture those console sales first, and give the console people the chance to to play it against their expectations. Right, coming to the game maybe fresh without six or seven years of baggage on it. Who are active on the internet? Who will be interviewed by the Kotaku guys? Yeah, they'll, the, they'll uh, have a revolt if it comes out on consoles first. So I, yeah, I agree with that. 100%, yeah, they will. But I, but I don't again, think it's going to happen. No, 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 they'll have a revolt, but it's a revolt of the people who have already paid. So who cares? <laughs> so I mean, but again, look at this from not not from the perspective of CIG. Look at the perspective from the equity investors. What do they care? Will we get? Will do we have a better chance of recouping our investment in a timely manner if you do it this way? Will Sony give us ten million dollars to make it a PS5 exclusive for fourteen days, ninety days? I don't know. Whatever. Will they give us money for that? And will that uh, increase our chances of making a return on this sooner? Do that, CIG. That's a thing you should do because we'll make our money back on time. Harsh reality, but I think that that's a conversation that either has been had or will be had shortly. Well, now that you've given them the idea, thanks, Tony. Uh, oh, please, <laughs> please, like I'm like that, like they need me for this idea. No, no, they do not. They do not need me for this idea. This is a discussion that's, I'm certain, already been had, and probably when they said we're going to have to push this by ninety uh, days. I bet, I bet you, every single subscriber will cancel their subscription if they heard that announcement. Who cares? They honestly, CIG could just not care. Well, supposedly the subscription money is only for developing video content and PR content anyway. Which well, might also explain why that's but gone. I, I bet you, 
you know how worldwide this game is i bet you it's a significant uh chunk of change oh i i agree i disagree Chivalry bean says hashtag tony ruins everything <laughs> well, Tony that didn't Adam make the deal that screwed show. the investors, or the uh, you know Tony didn't make that deal. That's I Chris mean, Roberts making those deals again. I don't know what the contract says, but I know what contracts like this look like, and at least in the oil and gas field. And I am familiar with the attitudes of some people who pony up money for risky ventures. Again, I'm, I'm translating a lot, and I'm guessing a lot. Ken Shadow's 100 percent right. This is you know Tony. This is a conspiracy theory that only exists in the Tony verse at this moment, but I strongly suspect that chunks of it are, are accurate. So all we need to do to stop this supposed uh, supposed theory mm-hmm. is a flock of prairie chickens that we can dump on Sony's lawn. Right. So they have to shut down So the <laughs> because of the Endangered Species Act or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. And with that marathon discussion and the pending collapse of British democracy, we're going to go straight to the feedback loop. Okay, buddy. What's on your mind? Some say he removed all aviation references from his humor. And it's funnier now that he's explained all his jokes. But only knows he's called the Shiv and he'll put together this week's feedback. Uh, okay, I didn't get that one at all. I didn't get that one either. <laughs> Was he going to explain this one? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best fake laugh I've ever heard. Thanks, Ed. That was genuine. Oh. Anyway, moving on. A recap of last week's community question. How much are you planning to grind for your carrier? Any 890 hot tub pilots out there? Any reservations about the new developer on Kerbal 2? Sean Newboy writes in, Loved it all, everyone. Community question two, still trying to figure out why I would want a yacht in a war-torn universe. Well, I mean, that's a good question, but why? I think, to flip it around, why wouldn't you want a yacht? Yeah, and I never, ex- I never expected Star Citizen to be a war-torn universe. It's a, it's a thriving, you know... United States on a grand scale, so to speak, you know, on, on, a, on a universal scale. I, I never, yeah, the fringe areas may be war-torn, but the core systems with all the mega corporations and all that doesn't impress me as being war-torn. Well, the, the plot is that it's like the fall of the Roman Empire, right? That's the concept of it. So, uh, you know, at, at some point there's going to be, you know, van duel up, uh, you know, invasions and whatnot. Uh, the sack of earth and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the concept will be eventually the place will be war-torn and you might have to repurpose your luxury yacht into medical transport or whatever. Well, that sounds more like Squadron 42 and not the Persistent Universe. Well, but I think the the conceit of the Persistent Universe was supposed to be that it's an extension of what happens in Squadron 42. So, it may be like an event, you know, later on down the line. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. I, I think to start off with, I think having a luxury yacht thing is is cool and what might be cool later is that you have to repurpose it for you know rescue operations or evacuations or whatever so uh we hear from our good friend bobo uh clown bobo who writes in this week as uh, bobo cronkite and i've read it a couple of times and i'm not sure how i'm supposed to do it because there could be references in here that i'm not getting um but the thrust of it was that Something happens and it, we morph into a Ponzi scheme situation. So, but I don't think I can do it justice because I'm not sure I understand all the references. So I'm not going to read it as it is. But the takeaway here, I think, is that uh, he agrees with us 
that something bad has happened over the last week and some assumptions that we were making possibly were not 100% correct uh, as far as the development of the game. Clown Bobo, write me back and let's we'll we'll we'll, we'll workshop this one a little bit. But I, I don't know that I could do it justice. But I will give you what you really wanted, which was my Walter Cronkite voice, and that's the way it is. Tuesday, September third, twenty nine forty nine. This is Bobo Cronkite. Good night. I mean, I know that's what you're really looking for. Our next feedback comes in from Craft. Arcs is most definitely a way to get more money for Frontier but I don't think it's going to be used for non-cosmetic, game-changing stuffs such as Jumponium. I think we saw the first steps of encouraging more store purchases with the shipyard's click-here-to-buy-this-paint link, as until then, unless you actually proactively wanted something, you would have no reason to visit the store. By putting it visibly in the game, there are more visits to the store, but visits aren't conversions. By giving you an ARCs in-game, they're encouraging more spending. You're going to want to check out what your ARCs will get you, at which point you're on the storefront, but you also have a balance to spend. Secondly, with everything being price obscured behind ARCs, it means that prices can be increased without many people noticing. So a £1.99 item becomes £4.99 without much resistance. Also, people will have to buy ARCs in packs, so they'll give you 200 arcs in-game. You need 500 arcs to buy those purple lasers. So you reach for your credit card, and Frontier gets 1,000 arcs worth of money, with the remainder sitting as credit on your account. Every business needs to make money, especially one with an ongoing service, and given the state of the game industry and microtransactions currently, Frontier are certainly one of the companies that I trust. Yeah, that perfectly explains how Frontier can make money off this deal without having to resort to quote, play-to-win type things, uh, or, or charging money for in-game abilities rather than just cosmetics. I mean, this is a perfectly valid and decent way to make money. You just won't make as much money doing it this way and the other way. But this is very reasonable. I- this I'm reminded of uh, Microsoft Xbox, since console seems to be the topic of the day. Because uh, when uh, the 360 launched, they had uh, microtransactions in the form of Microsoft Points, and 80 points equaled a mm-hmm. dollar, and so you really couldn't do the math very quickly in your head so you were spending more than you realized without even realizing it yeah 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 and well and frontier also has the excuse of well we're in great britain and all you other crazy people are using rubles and dollars and euros and other other things so they have that that advantage of obfuscation too now what was the conversion rate again between the currencies and then you got to convert that again to arcs and plus you are going to be earning it in game so your balance is going to be changing all the time based on your gameplay it'll all be just a big confusion mess and you just want the purple lasers. I want to say there's also some sort of tax benefit to doing it this way as well. I remember uh, Twitch streamers mentioning that they're, they're uh, what are they called, bits, bytes? What are the, the coins that you can use to support Twitch streamers. One of the reasons those exist has to do with tax purposes. So I think when you convert currency into a virtual currency, there's some benefits there for the for the company. You see, I mean, yet even another, another layer, another layer of complexity. So, yeah, it... it Definitely, there's plenty there for Frontier to take advantage of without having to go the full-on cool-down versus power-up you know, route of, of microtransactions. So, uh, fingers crossed. Harbinger73 writes in and says, ARCs and the revamp to the early game likely has its roots in a 10-cent investment from two years ago. I've long suspected Frontier have been working on Chinese localization since that investment. 
The first clue was in an article last year from their localization manager, Tamara Tierjack, on the complexities of translating what had become as large as an entirety of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit trilogies. Also, if you want to make it easier to complete axing most of Galnet, which adds more text daily, could help, uh, colon, thinking colon. The second clue was a video of an investors meeting about a year ago where Frontier's CFO answered a question on the likelihood of a future Wii game launch given the Tencent investment. And he answered that it was probably a logical assumption that they would launch their games on that platform at some point. Everything Frontier have been doing seems to be geared towards a major push into the Asian market. Microtransactions are big business in Asia. And then there's two links to some, uh, I would guess, an article and a video. It's worth watching that video in full or at least to the Q&A section in the last 10 minutes. There's some nice nuggets of info there, such as ED's earnings and the proportion of income from microtransactions. So that video he's referring to was a meeting at the end of last year, and I did watch that video. And yeah, it's full of good stuff. It's a really good presentation from their uh, new chief financial officer, well, new at the time. Um, and yeah, the it all very much makes sense. Arcs coming in as a way to get into the Chinese market because those of us who have played Star Trek online once or twice, we we've all done that on occasion. I think, right, gentlemen? Yep. A couple of us. A couple of us. I'm supposed oh, to yeah, get. Yeah. I'm supposed to get 500 every month. I'm a lifetime subscriber. I have no clue what my balance right. is right now. Right, but I mean, but that, but that current that the currency that you get every month, Jeff, is the real cash equivalent, right? It's right. the Zen, right? Yeah. So that would be the roughly the equivalent of the Arcs. Well, Frontier's concept here is they're going to make that currency also a time currency, like Henry was saying earlier. Arcs, you're going to earn arcs every time you do missions. So they're unifying that. Their time currency and their real-life currency is going to be the same, but they're basically their theory is we're just going to have that be for cosmetic items only. But I'm pretty sure that having that ability or that option or that capability is almost a precondition to launching on any kind of a Chinese style MMO multiplayer game platform because that's what that's that's their whole thing. Uh, Perfect World when they bought out Cryptic uh, and uh, took over operations for Star Trek Online, that was like the first thing that they introduced. That's the first thing that they that they brought in. So this is uh, I, I think it's a very good uh, point uh, Harbinger makes that that's almost certainly what is going on here and a big motivation for them introducing Arcs. Uh, in the first place so and yeah I, come on planet zoo planet coaster all those things come on i can uh, it's just it's just ripe for 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 any kind of you know in-game cosmetics and stuff like that they're gonna they're gonna do they're gonna go gangbusters if they can release into the chinese market odin omen writes in and, and has a bonus question that he's answering strongly considering population zero which is a new game sci-fi mmo aliens exploring base building guilds pvp pve they mentioned space, but I'm not completely sure we'll ever get ships. I just heard of the game today. Maybe I'll play it next month when it launches. Anyone else? Smiley face. It looks cool, but I don't think you're going to be flying around. I don't think like so Like you said, I don't think there'll be any of that. I think it's more of a planetary-based game, but it will be a cool space game. However, I will side with Jeff in saying it will not space in. I don't, I don't think it will either, but I mean, it's, it is an interesting concept. It's like No Man's Sky without you know pretending to be a pilot. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, yeah Makes sense. Uh, yeah. I think building was more and community was more of a thing in that game though than yeah. No Man's Sky, which is more of a one man adventure. 
yeah. uh, pretty much. So. Yeah. They, they move the slider. They move the slider of space all the way down and move the cooperative part of it up. Uh, if you take sliders from, from No Man's Sky. So what you're saying is this is the perfect companion game to Elite Dangerous. It's got everything Elite doesn't. Yeah, it's got, yeah, it's sense, got Elite yeah. feet. It's got Elite feet. Ken from Chicago writes in, Community question number one. Nope. When I decide to finally install Elite Dangerous that I bought on Steam sale years ago, no carrier for me. I was never for guild drama. Community question number two. Nope. I'm saving my in-game credits for the Anvil Carrick. Hashtag Carrick forever. Community question number three. Nope. Cool trailer, though. Lots of nopes today. <laughs> yeah, it uh, 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 was brought up by uh, Ben Sanders that uh, uh, there was so much nope from KFC that Shiv responded with a gif of someone bringing a bucket of KFC to uh, to, 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 to the discussion. Um, I do want to make a, one tiny correction, though. You won't have to do any guild drama in Elite Dangerous because it's your own carrier, Kenneth from Chicago. So there, you can just buy your own and never let anybody else on it. It can be your own personal carrier that no one else gets to dock at for forever. <laughs> well, all right. So before we uh, end the feedback loop, though, I want to talk to Skiffy. Um, so we've all had the discussion before about the wheel of Star Citizen, right? That that colored wheel that goes from uh, like uh, Zealot on the one side being a very strong uh, uh, Star Citizen fan, let's say, all the way over to a hater, right? Uh, to, to, to represent your attitude. We've all placed ourselves along that spectrum. But we've never asked you, Skiffy, where are you along that wheel? Yeah, I was just looking at that, and I think what uh, resonates with me is the believers category or the evangelist category. I'm probably right in between those two. Uh, generally confident in the project but willing to question poor decisions and protest the very worst of them and I think that that resonates really well with me given that I'm no longer a subscriber uh, cancelled my subscription because I'm unhappy with that aspect of it but I I still have confidence that things are going to work out All right. Uh, so uh, but I uh, Jeff had an interesting question a little a minute ago off uh, off the air He's wondering, and maybe I'll just ask him directly, have you moved from your spot based on what happened today? No, I, I'm still a believer. I'm, I, I'm, okay. uh, I think there, I think, um, you know, it, it's almost time where uh, Chris needs a, uh, a, a devil on his shoulder to uh, make sure that he doesn't do the wrong decisions. But uh, I, I still believe in the project. I still think that it will come out. I don't quite agree with uh, my co-host on, on the <laughs> direction they may take. But, uh, um, yeah, I, but I've always been that. I've always been that, that, that the believe in the project. But, but I, you know, I throw my hands up and to the universe and going, oh, my God, what are they thinking of doing here? You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of kind of position and and, and right. i can be I, and i am critical of them and yet i do praise them so right. um you know it's it's that uh, it's a burden i carry all right henry what do you think man i'm kind of back and forth between an agnostic and believer honestly i think i'm right on the line i really okay. i feel like it's going to make it but i want to be more hopeful than that than than agnostic so i'm leaning i'm leaning towards believer and you tony well uh, I, I think I would have put myself in the agnostic category or on the line between agnostic and skeptic. Uh, I'm fully into the skeptic 
zone as of today. Uh, I, I really do think that one way or the other, they're going to have to greatly scale back. Just talking Squadron 42 here. Greatly scale back, and I believe they're in the process of scaling back their plans for the release of Squadron 42. I think that they're redesigning the missions either on a technical level to cope with the uh, lower box capability, like for current generation consoles, or they're scaling it back to take into account the fact that they won't have all the mechanics that they thought they were going to be able to use for the mission flow, like salvaging mechanics or rescue mechanics or medic mechanics or whatever. So I'm 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 solidly in the, the the doubtful category that says doubt the project will succeed as sold, but allow for the possibility that it might on more modest terms. I, I'm square in there now. I think it's interesting that we've got the middle ground section completely well rounded with the, the yeah. team that's on today. That's yeah. because Ken Shedder is not here to be a let's say zealot or shill. Let's say zealot because he's not making <laughs> no, money. He's not we'll a say zealot. shill. I am, no, I, he's not I, making I, money on it. We'll go with zealot. No. Hey, I, I will say I've flirted with the zealot category this week because when that when the eight ninety was finally in my hands and I got to fly it around, that thing was incredible. It, uh, it, it is. I mean, technically, again, you know, when when the thing works, it works. But the question is, can it be put together in a package? that does all the things that was that we, we were promised back in 2012, 2013. So I, I, and that's the part where I, come, I, I lean more towards the skeptic stuff now. I, we don't want to put words in Ken Shadow's mouth, and of course he'll be back next week and he can tell us we are all wrong about, well, tell me that I'm all wrong about all this stuff. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, he's, he's, I, he's, I would put him, me, if I were to put him in there, I'd put him somewhere between the evangelist and the believer. Trusting and sincerely eager to spread the word, seeing setbacks as a test of faith. Uh, or the believer, I think he's pretty strongly the believer, confident in the project, willing to question poor decision and protest the worst of them. I think, I think on this show we do cover the middle ground pretty, pretty well. Uh, so, but that's just my opinion. So that brings us to our community questions. What do you guys think about the wheel of attitude in Star Citizen? Has this week's pillar talk changed where you are on the spectrum? Do you agree with our assessments of our own positions on that spectrum? And how crazy is Tony with all that console talk? I mean, seriously. And otherwise, how is the show? Should we look into porting our show into consoles, or is our tech debt just too damn high? Drop us an email, a tweet, or comment on our show post, which you can find on our website and look us up on Discord. And that brings us to the end of episode 273 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 274 on September 10th, 2019. So be sure to keep an ear out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com. We want to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Ben, Multiverse Problem Sanders, and of course, our audio architects, Mikey, Lennon, and Bill Hardy. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass. And a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Next up is Jeff's Bell. All right. And now that Jeff's Bell has told us that uh, time is running out, we'll give the wheel a final spin, ask you to give me a letter, give you five seconds to solve the puzzle. Vowels are worth nothing, and consonants are worth 
Yes, my grandmother watched a lot of Wheel of Fortune. Okay. <laughs> beep, beep. Enemy ship on sensors.